Okay, I'm obsessed with Audible because it lets you enjoy all of your audio entertainment in one app. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. And with female writers and heroines, celebrity narration, multicast productions, Audible has you covered for every type of excitement that you're looking for, including true crime and mystery. And I know all of you love that too. For example, right now, I'm listening to None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash reality life or text reality life to 500 500. That's audible.com slash reality life or text reality life to 500 500. With four daughters and two on a dance team, I can tell you we go through a lot of mascara in my house, but I'm crazy about L'Oreal Paris new Panorama Mascara, which catches every lash for corner to corner for maximum volume. If you're looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank, this is yours. The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. I've been using it for about two weeks now, and I feel like my eye has completely opened up, and the girls are crazy about it too. They've got a tapered brush to catch every lash, one of the best mascara wands that I've ever used. And like I said, this luxe appearance of this gold package you got to get it. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. L'Oreal Paris New Panorama Mascara. You're going to love it. The amazing Kate Casey. Welcome back to another episode of Reality Life with Kate Casey. This is a great episode. I've got two fantastic segments for you. The first is with director Clay Tweel, who has directed a fantastic docuseries on HBO Max about Heaven's Gate, which was is this fascinating UFO cult that was based near San Diego, California. And the other is an interview with Shannon Bird, who is a well-known Instagram influencer and blogger, a Mormon blogger from Salt Lake City. I had her review Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Now, if you're not familiar with Heaven's Gate, they were this UFO religious cult like I said, based near San Diego. It was founded in 1974 and led by Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles. On March 26, 1997, deputies of the San Diego County Sheriff's Department discovered the bodies of 39 members of the group, including that of Applewhite, in this house in Rancho Santa Fe. So they had participated in this mass suicide with a coordinated series of ritual suicides in order to reach what they believed was an extraterrestrial spacecraft following Comet Hale-Bopp. So just before the mass suicide, the group's website was updated with the message, Hale-Bopp brings closure to Heaven's Gate. Our 22 years of classroom here on planet Earth is finally coming to a conclusion. Graduation from the human evolutionary level. We are happily prepared to leave this world and to go with T's crew. Well, T, Marshall Applewhite, was the son of this Presbyterian minister and a former soldier, and he began his foray into biblical prophecy in the early 1970s. So after being fired from the University of St. Thomas in Houston over an alleged relationship with one of his male students, he meets Bonnie Nettles, who was a 44-year-old married nurse with this interest in biblical prophecy. So according to his writings, The two met in a hospital where she worked while he claims he was visiting a sick friend. But it's been rumored that it was actually his psychiatric hospital and that she was substituting for another nurse working with premature babies in the nursery. So he recalled that he felt as though he had known her for a long time and concluded that they had met in a past life 
and she told him that their meeting had been foretold to her by extraterrestrials persuading him that he had a divine assignment. So eventually, they resolved to contact extraterrestrials, and they sought like-minded followers. So they published these advertisements for meetings where they recruited these disciples whom they called the crew. And at these events, they purported to represent beings from another planet, the next level, who sought participants for an experiment. And they stated that those who agreed to take part in the experiment would be brought to this higher evolutionary level. So in 1975, during this group meeting with 80 people in um, Joan Culpepper's Studio City home, they shared their revelation that they had both been told that they were the two witnesses written into the Bible's story of the end of time. So later that year, they assemble a crew at a hotel in Oregon. And after selling all of their worldly possessions and saying farewell to loved ones, this group vanishes from the hotel and from the public eye. So that night on the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite, he reports that this group has disappeared. And in one of the first national reports on the developing religious group, he says a score of persons have disappeared. And it's a mystery whether they've been taken on a so-called trip to eternity or simply been taken. Can you imagine Walter Cronkite, the most trusted man in America at that time, making such a bizarre statement? Well, what they had really done was arrange for this group to go underground. And so from that point on, they called themselves Doe and T because there were sheep following them. And they said that they were called um, to lead them across the country. They would sleep in tents and sleeping bags and beg in the streets. And they evaded detection by the authorities and media and enabled the group to focus on their doctrine of helping members achieve this higher evolutionary level above human, which they claim to have already reached, of course. So years later, in October of 1996, a member of the crew rents this large home, which they call the monastery, which was a 9,200 square foot beautiful mansion in Rancho Santa Fe. And they paid $7,000 per month in cash. And in the same month, the group purchased alien abduction insurance, if you can believe that you can actually get that. It covered up to 50 members and paid out $1 million per person. This policy apparently covered abduction, impregnation, or death by aliens. I'm not even kidding you. So they arranged this mass suicide as a way to evacuate the Earth. Um, They asserted that the spacecraft was trailing Comet Hale-Bopp, and that this event would represent the closure to Heaven's Gate. So he persuades these 38 people to prepare for ritual suicide so that their soul could, could board this spacecraft. So he believed that after their deaths, this unidentified flying object would take their souls to this level of existence above human. So he had all of them tape these farewell messages. And then they took phenobarbital mixed with applesauce or pudding, and then they washed it down with vodka. And then um, they put plastic bags over their heads, um, so they died of asphyxiation. So all 39 were dressed in these identical black shirts and sweatpants and brand new black and white Nike Decades athletic shoes. And they had these armband patches that read Heaven's Gate Away Team, which was apparently because of the group's use of Star Trek's fictional universe's nomenclature. So like each member has also... $5 bill in their pockets and three quarters. And the $5 bills were apparently to cover vagrancy fines while members were out um, on jobs while the quarters were to make phone calls. 
So once a member was dead, a living member would arrange the body by removing the plastic bag from the person's head, followed by posing the body so that it could lay neatly on its own bed with faces and torsos covered by this square purple cloth for privacy. And apparently the identical clothing was used as, um, as a way to represent unity. And then apparently the Nike decades were chosen because the group got a good deal on shoes. It's just like you can't even make this up. So 21 women, 18 uh, men, they were between the ages of 26 and 72. They were reported to have died in three groups over three days. And so this one former member uh, was sent this package with VHS tapes in it and this letter. And, and we're basically told what had happened. And so he goes to the home with, with his boss who stays outside in his car and he goes in and he smells something and he sees 10 of the bodies and calls authorities and um, says, you know, I, I, there's been this mass suicide. So a single deputy responds to the call and he sees everything. And then they bring in two more uh, deputies and then the whole rest of the world finds out what happened to these 39 people. So it's been really like a fascinating thing to read over the years, how all of these people had followed this mission and and what they had done at the end of their lives. And so what's great about this docu-series is it has all this extra footage and interviews with former members. So you really get a better idea of how this began and how it ended. And it really is bonkers. So if you love stuff about cults and true crime, all that stuff, you're going to love this. Now, Shannon Bird, a total pivot, is somebody that I've known for a couple years. She's fascinating to watch on Instagram. And I just thought it would be great to get some insight on what somebody in Salt Lake City thinks, especially somebody who's actually a housewife, uh, thinks about the real housewives of Salt Lake City. It turns out they even called her to be on the show, which, by the way, she's like perfect for it. So if you've been watching The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, I think you're really going to enjoy it and enjoy her. And my God, we got to get her on the show. So here we go. First of all, I want to congratulate you on your great work and welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for the kind words. It's great. Tell me how this was developed. So it's, it was developed off the podcast that Stitcher made, uh, I think in 2016. It was a 10-part podcast uh, called Heaven's Gate. And um, so I worked with, uh, I had just come off of working on Innocent Man, true crime series I did for Netflix uh, with Ross Dinnerstein and the folks at Campfire. And they had just acquired the rights to the podcast about Heaven's Gate and uh, they asked me to, to give it a listen, and I did, and I, I really loved it, and I loved that it delved into a lot of the former members and family members and really gave a voice to, to sort of that experience, and um, so I, I, I have an interest in cults myself and, and wanted to uh, explore it, and, and we dived into telling story. So since you've studied so many cults before, what was it about Heaven's Gate that was so much different? Well, it was the blending of, um, you know, a lot of cults have elements of Christianity. Um, and I think the blending with uh, UFOlogy, with UFOs, aliens, and sort of the way in which they um, left their mark on pop culture uh, was really fascinating to me that, you know, like, Probably most people, if you do remember something about Heaven's Gate, you remember some of the videos of uh, the the leader, um, Marshall Applewhite Doe, looking very bug-eyed and crazy. Yeah. And some of those videos that they left 
for the world to consume um, in 97 was uh, like left an impact. And you remember maybe like the Nike shoes or the yes. purple shrouds. And so you people have a, <clears throat> I think like a shortcut to remember parts of the story, but the, yeah, for me, the, the sort of blending of Christianity and, and UFOs was something that was really unique. So tell everybody a little bit about the evolution of the cult. So it begins in the 1970s. And then, of course, we knew the news reports. We see this beautiful mansion in Rancho Santa Fe and the the bodies being taken out of the mansion. But how did it all begin? It all began with uh, Bonnie Lou Nettles and Marshall Applewhite, the two leaders of Heaven's Gate. Um, and uh, they originally went by the names Bo and Peep. And then they eventually took the names T and Doe. Uh, back in 1975, they started going on the road and recruiting people to join them in this uh, process to leave the earth and go to a physical place, a, a heaven that existed in outer space um, that was sort of run by, by uh, these next level beings, these aliens. And so um, you know, their message of... Um, what was what was really a message of sort of like individual uh, overcoming of like y- you are empowered to go on your own path, figure out your own way to sort of purify yourself and then join us in this otherworldly place on the next level. Um, so it, it started that way uh, in, in 1975. And then as the group went along, they went further and further underground. They went uh, there. There's sort of. Um, ideology became more and more strict. Um, and just like that, you see the evolution of how their their ideas and be- beliefs got a little more bizarre as time went on. One of the great things too about the first episode is that you learn more about Bonnie. Yeah. And there are so few cult leaders that are women. And she, you really learn that she was sort of the the puppeteer, she was in much more in control than people I think probably realized. As part of your re- research, what was the most surprising thing you learned about Bonnie? Good question. I think Bonnie is, is someone that we really wanted to, to try to bring to life as much as possible. And what everyone said about her, which, which was uh, part of the dynamic was that like, she her part of her thing was she didn't talk. She didn't, she never like, yeah, she was like a mute. Yeah. She, she never really talked publicly. And so it, it put, uh, Doe as the, as the central face from the beginning and he was the performer and she was like the mind, the, uh, behind it all, as you said, the sort of puppet master. Um, and you know, I, I think that what I didn't understand going in was, her sort of the the extent to which she was rooted in new age philosophy back in the late 60s and early 70s and um and really that the the ufo angle came um mainly from her and so like i i didn't know much about t um before listening to the podcast and, and really diving in and doing a lot of these interviews uh so i i felt like that was an, a new piece and a nice uh, uh, twist to, to show viewers. I mean, at first you see this on paper that he was, that Marshall was the gay son of a minister and then was an opera star and performer and then had gone to a mental hospital. And you were like, 
this cannot be real. This can't be real. But with most cults, I mean, people tell, have their own narrative and then people kind of believe what they're told. Was there anyone along the way that started to do some research and found the fact that some of his personal story was disturbing, like the mental health hospital aspect? Were any of the, the followers ever made aware of that piece? About the mental mm -hmm. hospital? I mean, there, uh, that is a sort of disputed piece of um, the, the story. Um, there's some people who were within the group who said he never went to a hospital and they just met by chance at a, mm -hmm. at a, at a hospital. There are some people that say uh, that, you know, he was uh, admitted and had a mental breakdown and, and they met. Um, so uh, we chose to go with um, the fact that they met at a mental hospital because we felt like some of our more trusted, you know, academics and people um, who had done research and have researched the group for years uh, had, had said that. So, you know, like if you talk to some of the, the surviving members, you're going to get, you're going to get a bunch of different answers. You're probably also going to like, for example, you're going to get a bunch of different answers on why, um, the members had, uh, $5 and quarters in their pockets right. um, they, when they committed suicide in 97. Sawyer says that it's based on a Mark Twain story. Uh, some people say that it's because, uh, that's the kind of change they, they walked around with on a daily basis in case they needed to use a collect call to call home base. Like, um, you, there's, there's, uh, a lot, um, because all the members who, um, were in the group perished, you know, there's, there's sort of competing narratives. And there's like endless secrets that will, may never be figured out. What would, right. what did you find about the pathology of Bonnie? Because we know that she did work as a nurse. So what would be her reason for wanting to consume all this power and have control over these people? Because she had come up with the name, names Bo and Pete, because they were like sheep following them. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the pathos of Bonnie, like I said, is a little bit hard to nail down. But for me, there's, there's something to the, the rebellion of like, she had a, she had a family, um, and she was living this life that I feel like she, this is my opinion of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like she was living a life that she didn't necessarily want to stick within the boundaries of, and she wanted to do some self-exploration and she found a kindred spirit in Marshall Applewhite and they were able to go out and go on the road and, and do this, uh, journey of self-exploration for a year and they sort of came up with this ideology. So um, idea, I think she just felt like she was um, in a life that, that was, was foreign to her, you know, it sort of parallels in the, the idea that the heaven's gate belief system, like that these bodies we have are foreign to you. They are vehicles and vessels for like a spirit that doesn't belong here. So there, there's so much talk about this repressed um, sexuality because Marshall was this, this gay son of a minister. How do you think that factored into the teachings and the practices of Heaven's Gate? His repressed sexuality. Yeah, well, I mean, 
part and parcel with with Bonnie not you know loving the the life that she's living in the the sort of boundaries of her life. I think that Marshall Applewhite and his uh, repressed sexuality is very important into understanding how uh, the rejection and disassociation from your body and trying to overcome your body's instincts and uh, its sort of desires um, and stripping it away to this very pure form is the only way to reach heaven in their in their minds. So um, it, it all sort of is the, the belief system is sort of branches from the tree of this suppression of, of individuality. Now, of course, we saw this beautiful home. What made them decide in that home in Rancho Santa Fe? And where's the money train coming from? Like to pay, the, the, to pay for the cost of the home or staying in the home. Um, it had to come from somewhere. Right. So for a long time, they, they, the group lived off of a trust fund of one of the members. And um, I think in the later years, a lot of the, the members took jobs. And in particular, they took jobs doing a lot of computer um, software programming. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they even had a, a website design firm, which is this was the very early days of the Internet in the mid 90s. Um, and the, the name of their their company was Higher Source. Mm. And they would design uh, websites and and do computer coding. And by all accounts, they had some very gifted computer programmers and like help the group uh, make a living. Now, the, they were tipped off that there that the authorities and uh, paramedics, I would say, were tipped off to go to the home. Who was the person that tipped them off? So uh, when the group uh, exited, they they sent some materials, some uh, um, letters and some VHS tapes, their, their sort of exit interviews to, um, they sent copies to a few different people. One of those was a former member named Rio who had mm-hmm. just left the group about a, a few weeks before the suicides. And so Rio received this uh, letter that was telling him like, you know, come down to the, telling him to come down to the house to videotape it and to, um, uh, and like report what he finds. And so Rio was the first person that goes into the house and, you know, these are people that he'd been with for a few years and he, he discovers all the bodies and he, he's, um, the person that calls 911. And that's who, that's who you hear in, uh, you know, in the first couple minutes of the show. And so for people that are just newly familiar with the Heaven's Gate members, the group was started in the seventies, but they didn't, uh, they all perished in the nineties. Why did they choose the date that they chose? They chose March of, uh, of 1997 for their suicides, um, because they believed that the comet, the Hale-Bopp comet was, um, actually bringing a, a spaceship along with it that they could um, their souls would go up onto the spaceship and then take them out into their their next level, their their heaven. And um, so, around that time in March of '97 was um, when the Hale-Bopp comet was the closest to Earth, and it also coincided with um, Easter, which is the time of sort of rebirth. So those the the synchronicity of those two moments in time was uh, why they decided for. What is the one story that you can never get out of your head? The castrations. Right. So 
um, you know, the fact that that these people would believe something enough to to, to mutilate their bodies in that extreme way, um, you know, like hearing people talk about it, hearing Sawyer talk about it, and doing that interview. I mean, it's like um, it's fascinating, but also stomach turning at the same time. And you yeah. know, like having that uh, uh, that visceral response. Um, when you're hearing somebody tell a story is, is kind of rare. So for me, I was just like, you know, um, I, I find that to be a, a particularly uh, interesting part of the, the series, but also very powerful. What do you think is the legacy of Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie? Well, I think that their, their legacy up until now has been one of um, ridicule and, and sort of like making to, to seem um, like kooks a little bit. And I hope that the show, um, tries to break down that narrative and show that they're real people. And that, you know, we are sort of like all come from a, from a certain place. And some of our, our, uh, flaws can lead us into, um, you know, where we end up. And so I, I, I hope that we can, the series is a way to, to help connect people to the story in a new way and and not be just glomming on to the the ideas that Marshall and Bonnie are uh to be discounted and just you know weirdo UFO enthusiasts well I have to say again it's stuff I, I've been following this story for years and you have archival footage you have interviews you have photos you have graphics that I've never seen before and I'm so excited about that. I've already seen the first episode and you at the end of it, you want more. And there's nothing better that you can say about a series than you are left wanting more. So very well done. I'm thrilled about this. Thank you for your great work and for your time. And where can people catch it? So uh, we premiered December 3rd on HBO Max, all four episodes drop. Um, and then you can watch the first episode for free starting December 4th on um, HBO Max as well. Oh, that's uh, good. So, um, so you know, go and check it out and then hopefully sign up and watch the rest. Um, but that's where we're going to be, HBO Max. And where can people find more information about um, Heaven's Gate and follow you? So I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Clay Tweel. But the, the um, Heaven's Gate website is still active. Um, some some former members still run it. And uh, if you want more information and want to go on a deep dive of really about what their the, the minutia of their belief system, um, you know, go to heavensgate.com. Thank you, Clay. Of course. Thanks for having me. I am thrilled to tell you I have with me today, Shannon Bird. Introduce yourself, Shannon. Hi guys, I am a housewife here in Utah, not on the show, darn it. So how did you feel about the idea of a Housewives franchise in Salt Lake once it was announced? Okay, so I was introduced before it was announced because I was approached and to be on the show. At the time, I was pregnant with my fifth kid and they're like, how do you feel about being on the show? It was via direct messaging on Instagram. And I was like, well, I'm having a baby this December. And I think they were filming in. They the, were. Yeah. They were filming. I'm like, I am filming. I mean, I am having a baby during your guys' filming time. So 
um, even before then they were asking like, how good of a Mormon are you? Cause we need like a good Mormon on here. And I was like, I'm pretty dang good. Like <laughs> I'm pretty Mormon. Like my heart is Mormon. <laughs> and so you guys have five kids and they are under what ages? So my oldest just turned nine. Mm-hmm. And then I have all the way to a newborn baby. Well, she's, she'll be one in December. Okay. So they come to you there. They ask you if you'd be interested in the show. Was there like a little part of you that thought that might be a good time? Oh, I was like, I'm there. I, my first question actually was who's on the show? Because oh yeah. I don't get along with everybody here <laughs> or vice versa. They don't get along with me. Um, I'm, I feel like I am like a black sheep here in Utah. I know it sounds super weird, but girls my age are mostly like in different stages of their life. A lot of them don't have five kids. And then the ones who are my age, who are also bloggers have like completely ostracized me. So I am like very alone. Probably my draw to always like, I need to go find a new double bubble. Well, I always wondered that too about the show because I feel like the Instagram Salt Lake City world would be fascinating to watch. Is it because a lot of them just are not interested in being on a show where there's a lot of fighting because the focus of their Instagram is more about things that are creatively driven that are not sort of conflict related. Yes. Like they are the masterminds and the creators, like they are the producers of their own shows. I got it. Right. So then to have someone come in and take the directive approach away from them, I think that would stress maybe some of them out. I personally, when they announced the cast, I was like, dang it. I wish it was, you know, these brands and, you know, in Utah, like people that I personally know, but as I've watched the show, I have fallen in love with the cast. And I thought they did an awesome job at casting it because if they were to have chosen these influencers, there would have been some conflict, I think, because it would have been so vanilla, so watered down, so Instagram perfect. They want to come across as perfect. And with what Bravo does is they take these walls down and they show the real person. And I don't know if a lot of people would be comfortable with that. So some, some of the influencers I've heard say that they're frustrated because they feel like it, it, it isn't a reflection of Mormon women, but I don't think there, there's only one practicing Mormon in the cast, correct? Lisa Barlow? I think she's actually a convert as well. And I think she said like she's Mormon 2.0, where, you know, if you were to look at the way she dresses or whatever, like you wouldn't say like she's the most conservative or whatever. I do. I really love her character and things like that. I don't know her personally, but I think she's doing a fabulous job at like sticking up to being a Mormon and things like that. As a Mormon living in Salt Lake City, do you get frustrated when they say things that could be perceived as derogatory? Like, for example, they suggested that in order to be a Mormon woman, you have to be perfect. There's this pursuit of perfection. Did that ring true to you at all? I honestly totally thought they've done it awesome. I don't care that the Mormon church is a character in this story. Guess what? Utah, we are run by Mormons. People go to these laser bars because, and labs and things like that. And we're obsessed with plastic surgery, probably because we are a little bit Mormon and we do try to be perfect. Like it's a Tuesday afternoon and I'm in a 
red pencil dress. Hello. <laughs> I thought it looked festy with my backdrops. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you have to be perfect? Yes, I actually do feel that way. And I was telling this to my husband because I have heard so much negativity about, let's just say, like Heather. Like she is like the Mormon villain on this show. To Mormons, they're like, oh, how dare she? This and that. But I was watching it through my own lens, right? And on episode four, this last episode, I fell in love with her. Like, I was like, you know what? This girl, her heart is Mormon. She is coming from a wounded place. Like she did the Mormon school. She did everything that she was supposed to do. And that's not a hard, like that's not an easy school to go to. Like that's very hard. She did all the hard things. She had babies in her youth. She gave up and sacrificed. And just to have her husband pull the rug from her. And when Jen Shaw was like, um, you know, would you still stay in this unhappy marriage? And she was like, absolutely. And I, that like gave me chills because I was like, this girl would do anything Mm -hmm. to be the perfect symbol of this. And now that was taken from her yeah, you know, and her family. So that's, it's devastating. And I think that was very important to showcase that this is life altering and devastating for this woman. And that these people who have these perfect lives are coming in and attacking her. They don't know what she's been through, you know, like we're all not cheerleaders and the valedictorians of our church. Like this girl, I would say there's a lot more people like Heather who are struggling and, in, and don't feel perfect in their relationship, maybe with God, with their husband, with their kids and their spouses. She's gone through hard stuff. She has beautiful children. She has a very successful business. Like we should be rooting for Heather. Absolutely. Well, I also think that regardless of what city the housewives in, it should be at its best a story about a group of friends who live very complicated, layered lives. And so, you know, in any city of wherever, someone who's got a divorce is going to feel an enormous amount of guilt and pressure from their community and regardless of faith. So that, I mean, that's probably true anywhere. Uh, do you feel like there is an element missing from the show thus far that you wish that kind of encapsulates Salt Lake. Okay. They do need some influencers on there because there are some boss babes here in Utah that need to be on that show. There are women who are in these beautiful homes and they're running multi-million dollar companies. They're in Nordstrom. They are doing these things. I would love to see them in the show to highlight their success and the way that they've been able to navigate that with families. And... While being a young mom, while uh, doing that. I think that would wow. be awesome to see. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're loving the show. I love it. Okay. I think there is a scene that was super underplayed and got like a fraction of airtime. That would be Jen Shaw and her ski lesson. I was dying. Okay. <laughs> Here she comes. She's like, oh don't worry guys I took a ski lesson before and then when it plays back what her ski lesson was um a DIY ski lesson she's in rollerblades she's in (laughs) her designer shoes all like like moguls like around her house she has ski poles and her whole family is like cheering her on and that's what I probably like about Jen Shaw the most is her family and husband support. Like they love her so much. And I love to see that part. Did you know any of these women before this aired? 
No, that's why I was super confused. I'm like, how did Bravo choose this cast? Yeah. But I personally am like all in. What do you think about what do you think about Meredith? Oh, I think her family is so beautiful. I think her children are like her son, the way he speaks. I'm like, <laughs> I need, I need I need a Brooks in my life. I know, right? I also feel like he's the breakout star. Yeah, I think I think he will have like his own show one day. I'm no kidding. Yeah, he's gonna have his own clothing line. He can have his own show. He's like enough personality. Okay, and what do you think about Mary? Mary, okay, the grandfather thing—that was a little much for me. <laughs> uh, and then the, some of the hostile comments. But when I watched her shine at the church and just love. So the way that she was loving on Whitney's father, I was like, I want to go to that church. I want to go and feel that. Like, you can tell that's where she shines. Yeah. What is your most Real Housewives moment? Ooh. Well, probably that I, my recent boob job fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, it was like a GoFundMe. For a boobs? For boobs. It was for a really good cause. <laughs> No, well, you, did, you did. You have nursed five children. I nursed five children, and on this set, I've nursed four. Oh, and so I recently went in because I'm not even done breastfeeding. Which my husband was like, "Why are you even going in? You're not even done." I was like, "I just need to know that my implant didn't fall out." Mostly, oh uh, well, because um, I only get breast milk on one side. I mean, yeah. So the other side is like completely like perfect. The other side has like dropped my belly button. Oh. It's like a seven inch difference. So seven was, inches? Seven inches different, like, wow. like that. Okay. But more like that. Oh my God. So I was like, I just need a professional opinion that first my implant didn't fall out and that this isn't like an emergency situation because it happened pretty like aggressively. And so when I went in there, you know, we have a couple different options. He's like, I can make this one look like this one, which is great. He's like, but you are running on an eight-year-old tire over here. Oh my God. Okay. Well, here is a speed round of questions Okay, for you. See. Okay. Has anyone, you know, married their grandparent? No. no, no. Okay. Does anyone, you know, have parties featuring stripper poles? Never. No. Now, if you were invited to a party at a speakeasy, would you go even though you don't drink? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Now, if the others were dancing on the stripper pole, would you give it a go? Yes. Okay. You really should be a housewife. Okay. Uh, does anyone you know have two to three personal assistants? Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, this must be like an Instagram influencer person probably, yeah. right? Influencers I know have like their assistants, their hair. That's what I think. They need to be on the show. need to be on the show. That's true. Oh, my God. Okay. Do you know people? You've just answered this with makeup and styling teams. You do? Yeah. Influencers. Yes. What, okay. Here's my question, too, about influencers. Are, are they buying all these clothes or do they take a picture and then return them? Ooh, um, probably definitely a little bit of both. Interesting. Because they get free clothes, but the ones that they don't get for free, they probably take back. Yeah, I would say that. Or if they're using it for like a family picture or whatever. Um, and that was like my biggest thing this year. I was like, I only want to buy what I'm actually going to wear. Yeah. Like no more of this. And a lot I know a lot of people because I would have like companies send me things. And I'm like, okay, I'll put this on my stories. 
for a price. Mm -hmm. And so then you get left with all these leftovers. And I had a girl that would sell all my leftover clothes, which was a lot because I was always like pregnant or whatever. And I don't do a lot of patterns and paisley and chevron and like all these ugly patterns. And I'm like, I'm very poor. <laughs> like the chevron I don't do. And I don't do all this like jewelry stuff. I'm very plain, plain, plain. So I would have, this girl would do like open houses and sell all my clothes for me and then take 20%. Okay. Would it be weird if your friends started a liquor business? So if you, you know, your Mormon friends obviously don't drink, yeah. Would it be weird if one of one of them said, okay, I just started a vodka business? I definitely can see that being super weird. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm just thinking in terms of like, well, don't you want to taste the product? Like, don't you really want yeah. to be like a good representation, like rep- representative of it? I don't right. know. But then again, I'm like, maybe, I don't know. Who am I to say? Maybe she's killing it and we're all ding dongs. killing it. Yeah, I do buy do you have any friends that have been uh, rumored to start a cult? Um, no, I know a lot of people have made like their own religion. At, oh, like, like their own like breakoffs, like oh, like they go to home, like their home churches where yeah. everybody just go. Oh, really? Yes, that's like a new thing here in Utah. Yeah. Well, is that because of the pandemic or was this pre-pandemic? Pandemic. And now because of the whole pandemic, they think they're like seers and revelators and that they were onto something because they called it first. They're like, we're going to do this, but we're going to take this, like, we're going to take church. They were sick of seeing like Instagram pictures at church and that everyone had put on this perfect show. And they're like, you know what? We're going to do church in jeans and we're going to do the same stuff, but it's going to be jeans and at home and then six months later literally from when I heard about this whole break off it we all get summoned to be at home so they're like so once the you know pandemic's over do you think they'll go back or do you think that this is like the new thing I definitely think we're gonna head back like I went to church like two weeks ago and I was like thank you I hate home church so right. much like, well, yeah, I mean, you got five kids. Like, that's a lot. Yeah, you do. I'm like, I can't do this. So when they do home churches, do they name their new churches or is it just the, the house address? Is it like we're going to go um, celebrate at 22 Riverside? So they totally have like a whole new name. And I don't even know how they communicate. And I know like the men have like all grown beards and they're like really, really? facial hair because like, yeah. I, I have just recently heard of this, but wow, yeah, I've seen some gatherings and the women, are they changing up their style? Are they allowed to wear jeans? Can they wear some culottes? Are they allowed to wear a midi dress? Like what's going on there? They're more like opposed the whole getting ready, high heels, dresses. They mm-hmm. want like their chill. They want like lounge wear. Yeah. And do the kids get dressed up too? Or are they in pajamas? The Like the clips I've seen online and things, they're all like, it looks like my home church when I was throwing like people in pajamas rolling yeah. on the floor. <laughs> like, oh yeah. I think some people just want to break away from the, and like everyone taking pictures outside of church. Like this is my family. And then how does that make someone feel that isn't wearing a new dress that day? And the kids, you know, maybe they're 12 year olds asking, why does 
so-and-so gets to wear a new dress every day and I'm wearing older clothes or just the comparison and how come they have a dad and we don't have a dad or how come, you know, just different things like that. Do you feel like the, because of Instagram, that more people know about the Mormon church just because there's so many Mormon influencers? I mean, it, it, it must have helped the numbers tremendously. I would think so. Like it, you know, and I honestly get asked dozens of times, like every time I post a Sunday picture, like what church do you go to? Like on my DMs. And I just send them like, here's the link. Like you'll get a free book of Mormon. Like I could, I'll just do that. But yeah, I definitely think so. And like, I've personally worked with the church doing like service campaigns and like light the work, light the world, things like that, just to like show how we can like help serve. Well, they should be giving you kickbacks. Can they at least give you like a cocoa packet or something? Okay. Instead of you're paying your 10% of tithing, you get nine. (laughs) Right. Or some like beauty products. Okay. Here's the next one. Um, When you go to parties in the winter, do you wear eight inch lace-up stilettos? No, I don't even like, again, babies. And (laughs) it's mostly, I'm just like the one who's just like breastfeeding. I'm like. (laughs) <laughs> I mostly just wear like anything that I can like access myself. And I couldn't believe she was wearing, I'm like, I am freezing all the time. And she's wearing those like lace-up stilettos and walking through the snow. I'm a little bit scared about the whole like ice situation as well, because that is killer. Killer. Yes. <laughs> Would you get in a fight with your friend if your friend said, my daughter from college is going back to school tomorrow and I have to cancel the sleepover because she wants to hang out? Uh, yeah, I'd actually be mad. You'd be I'm mad. A, I'm a codependent person, like 100%. Like, this is why <laughs> I can't have nannies. Because all of a sudden, they become, like, my best friend, and I get possessive of them. And I'm like, wait. And I get offended if they want to leave me. And I'm like, wait, you can't go on a date. Like, or how about you just have your date at my house? My husband's like. Oh, my God. You, geez, you so need to I be on the show. I honestly get offended. Yes, I would. Like, even with a person, person who, like, watches my dog. The next thing I know, like my husband's like, why did you give them the Netflix password? Why are they sleeping in our house? Why are they doing this? I'm like, because they need to get really familiar with Captain. <laughs> I feel like you would do TikToks with the babysitter. I would. Like, that's why I would hire them. Like, to come over just for that purpose. Like, my husband has the kids. Let's go TikTok. What does your husband think about the idea of being on a TV show? Would he be up for it? Oh yeah. He's probably the real star. I am like the supporting cast. He's like the real, he has more of the personality. Like I think I'm funny. He just is funny. I feel like he's often annoyed with you in the Instagram stories. Does he play that up for the camera? No, 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 no. No, he's always annoyed. He's always annoyed actually. Mm -hmm. Like if it was his way, which it is a lot like he just wakes up in the morning, sneaks off, goes to the gym. The next thing I know, he's on the slopes. Like, he probably, he's like, you know, like. Easy breezy. And you're at home with the breastfeeding the children. Yeah. Say that, like, it takes a lot for him to get, like, upset. Whereas I feel like I'm resting at a 90. <laughs> and, like, if I find out, like, he's on the slopes, I'm 100 like that. I'm like, okay. Well, yeah, okay. I would too. I'd be like, get back home, weirdo. Like, what are you doing? What about, like, what, why are you at work? Get your shit together. Come on. I'm working on the slopes. What are you talking about? I'm with a client. I'm like. Yeah, client. Okay. The client is your cousin. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. So I am on 
birdallamode on Instagram and then birdallamode.com on my blog. Thank you so much, Shannon. The amazing Kate Casey. I want to thank my great guests, Clay and Shannon. Remind you guys, go to iTunes, click subscribe, leave a five-star review. Uh, Make sure you subscribe so you can get fresh episodes on Wednesdays and Fridays. You can join the Facebook group. You can talk about this episode and others. It's Reality Life with Kate Casey in the search button. You can find me on Twitter at at Kate Casey. I tweet about shows and during shows all week long. My Instagram is at Kate Casey CA. I will tell you who I'm interviewing each week, what shows I'm watching. I will also give you a list every week on what things you must watch. And I promise you, I will put out a list of all the things that I've suggested over the last month in case you've missed those lists. And I have a Patreon page with bonus episodes, great episodes. So you can go to patreon.com backslash Kate Casey. And I can't wait for next week's episodes. I've got so many great episodes in December. My head is exploding. I can't wait for you to hear them. And I'm wishing you guys a great weekend. And I'll circle back with you on Wednesday. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the Outer Lands. There's no crime in Pura, no murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us in Pura. Promised to keep you safe. I killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pure. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free, on Wondery+. Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.